Jurassic Park for a minute, we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And Eddie. And we're back to finish out uh, the week with minute 45 of Jurassic Park 3. Before we get to that, David, over at Jurassic Dashpedia, we've uh, got an article put up by Tyrannosaur TJ uh, a few years ago now <laughs> with most of the uh, Jurassic Park 3 stuff, but it's uh, a bit of a rundown on Eric's tanker truck that we see here in this minute. Um, we don't actually see the front of it until like the next minute when uh, the compies arrive on the scene, but it's um, half buried in the swamp here. Looking at the front of it, I think it looks like an international internet movie cars database doesn't have any information on it, but um, it looks like an international water tanker of some description. Much the same as the uh, Matchbox car we got with um, Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Just not green, it's white, that one. <laughs> yeah. No, we never actually do see it, like you said, until the compies kind of come rushing past it. We only ever see it from the inside, and then the hatch opens up, and that's how that's what we see of it. Mm. Yeah, but a fantastic little article here, um, sort of laying out where where it is, what's in, inside it, um, some of the stuff that Eric's been able to uh, gather and put in his little little hideaway safe spot here. Mm-hmm. So uh, jump on over to Jurassic Dashpedia and search for Eric's water tanker. No, Eric's tanker truck on Pedia. Don't do that again. I'm sorry. I lose you. It's just me and the damn tourists. Oh, David, you have toys. Uh, well, not in hand yet. I did actually find these. I went to a, a Meyer, my local Meyer store to get a new TV because I actually recently won the lottery. I won $10,000 with the lottery. I, I can't believe it. Oh, well. <laughs> I know. So I bought myself a new TV. I didn't splurge too much. I didn't have really much room to put it. <laughs> so I only got a inch. But anyway, uh, I passed by the toy section and they had these little die-cast plastic figures. They're not even really die-cast. They're... Um, like little tiny figures, they're probably like, I don't know, three and a half inches long. And um, they're cute little, they're the dinosaurs. They're, um, they got the Indoraptor, Blue, and the T-Rex. And I'm, I'm just thinking I would have loved to have these when I was a kid. <laughs> However, I also, among the bunch of menageries I've, uh, been purchasing with the money. I'm actually probably going to keep most of it and put it put it away for a rainy day. Yeah, yeah. But I've um, let's see. I've uh, gotten into a bidding war on a Willis and Geiger safari hat. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's in my it's my in my hat size range, and it's in like impeccable condition. I'm really wanting this. It's the last piece I need to complete my Roland Tembo, uh, all original pieces, um, costume. I was going to say, we've, you've showed photos of you dressed up, you pretty much got all but that hat. Yeah, I ha- I u- I'm using an, a Kubra Leisure Time currently, but the crown is shorter than, and yeah, than yeah. the hat, so I'd like to get, I'd like to get the original, you know? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And then I also uh, pre-ordered the Iron Studio Jurassic Park 110 scale Velociraptor 
Uh, I'm nodding the, the one that's crouching down. Oh, yeah, yep, in the attack stance, yeah. Yeah, I, that one I, I missed out. I was kicking myself. I missed it by a day to pre-order from the Chronicle Collectible website. And so I found a seller on eBay that was thankfully not too far above MSRP. Yeah. Uh, good that they haven't, <laughs> some people haven't sort of mm-hmm. overpriced it. Um, I was thinking about getting possibly the um, the Spinosaurus as well, but news there, surprise, surprise, apparently yeah. across the Collect Jurassic, there is rumor that something has survived. Hmm. The Walmart website is apparently got a listing for the battle damage version of the figure. That'd be fantastic if it's true. Uh, oh, that would be so fantastic. Yeah. I I mean those prices are really, really bad. They're almost they're almost they're almost as much as what I paid for for the one tenth Iron Studios. <laughs> they're they're that bad. And the figure itself is MSRP for twenty four bucks. Yeah. Or twenty five bucks. I think it's like twenty four ninety nine. And so I'm just like I am not paying that much for I'm not paying like $120 for a $30 figure, you know? So I'm glad I held out on the scalpers and didn't succumb. I was strong and my strength paid off. <laughs> that was the same with the Mosasaur for me. I got paid $150 for it off eBay just to get it because I wanted it. And now that I've got it, I'm, I could justify spend that much for it. But like the uh, Spinosaur is the same. It's it is good when we wait. Um, sort of similar thing too with the green. Like we we've, we've been talking about customizing the Fresh and Fro T Rex or any of the T Rex that come out with Fallen Kingdom, and then after a little while the uh, the green male was announced and released. So <laughs> sometimes it is good to wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it must be must be one of those weeks because I also got a new TV. <laughs> I've, I know. Yeah, since we moved, I've been in this I've been in this house for ten years, and mm-hmm. the TV cabinet I got um, was sort of like a big. It's got like the egg, the boxes all the way around it, so it only had a small spot in the middle for a TV. Yeah. And I think I had a forty-inch TV for the last nine years, which is why a lot of my media I consume on my iPad and don't really go for high def or Blu-ray. I do have some Blu-rays, but it's hard watching it on a forty-inch TV. So I now have a fifty-five-inch TV. And oh, nice. Did you the watch first... the uh, Jurassic Park in 4K yet? I I managed to get the 35mm print onto an external hard drive, and I watched that, and that is fantastic. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I, then I watched The Lost World on Blu-ray, and love it and love it. It's so much so, during the end, when uh, Nick's on the radio to try and get some help, Actually, you can actually see a lot more detail on the, one of the monitors there has got the video feeds from four different security cameras, one of them showing static, which we never brought up in the Lost World Minute. So maybe we need to go back and redo the Lost World Minute now. <laughs> <laughs> now that I can see, and I might start um, just looking, when I start taking notes for these minutes going forward, might just throw Jurassic Park 3 and Blu-ray on as well. But um, No, just fantastic having a big screen like that. Last night I introduced the kids to uh, Tron Legacy, which is another one of my favourite films, and that thing on Blu-ray, it it hasn't aged a day since 2010. It looks fantastic as well. 
yeah. Some of that CGI they did back in like 2010 uh, is not really aged at all. I think, for example, um, Avatar, whatever you have to say about that movie, the the CGI and visual effects is absolutely as great as the day it was made. Yeah, well, that's the next one. I haven't got Avatar at all um, because, again, it's sort of watching it 2D on a small TV. Anyway, because it's so long as well, it's not really a film I've gone back to need to rewatch. but I really want to rewatch it now and uh, get it on <laughs> Blu-ray or 4K just to... Uh, well, I haven't got a 4K player, so it's back to just playing it through to Blu-ray player, but it's the same sort of thing that, that Tron Legacy, I've got the five-disc set for that, and it's got a 3D version there as well, 3D Blu-ray version as well, but I didn't get a... I don't think you can even buy a 3D TV now, so <laughs> that disc I is know. completely that, worthless. That really kind of went out of style, didn't it? Yeah, yep. Which I remember hearing when um, when James Cameron said he was going on to make the sequels, one of the reasons he was putting them so far back was he was waiting and trying to create the 3D experience without needing to wear the glasses, and that was going to be the next big thing to pull people into Avatar 2, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still going to be a, <laughs> a selling point or not on it, but we'll see in another three years. Or, no, it's 2020, the next one, I think, next year. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, I also from finally got to uh, pick up some of the uh, Matchbox cars, the, the um, five-pack with the M-Class and the RV in it. So got them coming finally. I can finally do me a little customization to make the trails to put on the shelf. and Nice. And uh, the little green baby Rex as well. I just need, my, I just need Daddy now. <laughs> so I might have to get on eBay and see if I can find one. Not yeah, that one, you, you will really enjoy that one. That's a great figure. Mm, yep. No, definitely excited to get it. But if that's it for Toy Talk for this week, uh, <laughs> Dave, ready to get into 45. Sure. As we went in minute 44 of Jurassic Park 3, Eric had saved Grant and was now leading him off through the jungle, away from the Velociraptors. As we open on minute 45, Eric leaves Grant behind and continues in the jungle as Grant yells, Wait, wait. At the three second mark we cut the black as the steel doors opened and light shines into a darkened space as a small lantern hangs from the ceiling. Eric climbs in through the small opening and turns the lantern on and he's followed closely by Grant still coughing from the effects of the smoke. At the twenty second mark, still coughing, Grant says thanks. Thanks a lot Eric. And that gets the boy's attention. He comes down from the hole in the roof and looks at Grant for a moment and says, You know my name. At the 26 second mark, Grant takes his hat off and starts to take off his backpack and says, Yeah, your parents are here. Eric's concerned that they're together and they never do things together. It never ends well. At the 42 second mark, as Grant's telling Eric, you'd be surprised what people have to do when they're forced to, Eric notices the lantern hanging from the roof start to dim. He finds another lantern, turns it on, and replaces it. Illuminating the area they're in, now Grant can see what Eric's been up to for the last eight weeks. And as Eric sits down, and with the extra light, he can now see the stranger's face. And after a moment of realisation, he says, You're Alan Grant. And this ends minute 45 of Jurassic Park 3. We get a shot here in 45, Eric continuing to lead Grant through the jungle. Um, 
but he sort of start one stage is pulling Grant by the hand, but now he's sort of let go and sort of running running further, and Grant's falling behind. But um, we cut to black as the doorway opens, and at first Eric climbs down into the space, followed by Grant, and you can see a lantern hanging from the roof. Mm-hmm. And as Eric fires up the lantern, Grant collapses into the space, um, and that's when Eric returns to the door to see if they'll followed. And I have to say, though, that the set foliage we get right here, right before we get that cut to black, is probably the best we've gotten in this movie, mm-hmm. just because everything's so compacted, which is great. I mean, you got two, one large tree and then a smaller tree next to it, and then off to the corner you got a bunch of uh, palm fronds and some ferns and a big cicade uh, growing right there at the base of the tree. I don't think this is... Um, I think this is a set. I don't think this is the allocation it could be, though, for all I know, because it just so looks so well done. Yeah, it reminds that, me... That okay. is how the foliage should have looked, should look throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me a bit of The Lost World at Night when um, Ian's just repelled from the from the high height and he's running towards the RV and he's sort of running through that, that foliage and it's slapping him in the face. It's, it, it's interacting with him because it's so tight. Um, as he's trying mm-hmm. to run through it, and same thing here where they're running through this foliage. Obviously, they got the camera on a dolly following mm-hmm. alongside, but they've just either found or created this bit of dense foliage for him to run through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it does look fantastic. But uh, we get a shot here of the InGen Lantern, <laughs> which um, we we sort of asked back when Jay was on with what else was InGen up to on the island, and looks like they'll into consumer electronics as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or they're just someone someone back at InGen HQ just buys a pellet of lanterns and spends the day painting them and putting their logo on it um, but interesting here too it's sort of again a little bit of a different logo it's sort of a more boxier um, version of the logo as well mm, yeah and you can see kind of some kind of like flex of um, like, I don't know, it looks almost like mold growing on the bottom of it, like it was sitting on the, at the bottom of a moldy uh, uh, cardboard box for a couple yeah. of years before Eric came, across, came along, you know? Yeah, yep. But uh, Grant Coff's trying to clear the smoke from his lungs, and then he sort of thanks Eric, and this gets his attention. You know who I am? <laughs> Which it would if you've been there for eight, eight weeks, and um, all of a sudden this guy calls out your name. It um, it sort of it's, it's alluded to in the uh, novel and that how Eric was hoping he'd be saved, but definitely didn't think it was going to be his parents or um anyone who actually knew who he was. He might have just come across someone else in a similar boat to him that had survived um, some sort of incident and was stuck on the island as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Grant says, "Yeah, uh, and then your parents are here." they're looking for you and Eric looks surprised together <laughs> and it's sort of a bit of this dialogue here where we find out that boy they don't work so well together like um, mm. like we're seeing in the film here or even earlier when they're sort of walking through the jungle and arguing with each other we we get hints that uh, even before they uh, Amanda said that they um, had divorced you sort of get hints early on that maybe they're not as uh, a married couple like they appeared in the start of the film um, yeah, but, yeah, you do. It, especially like right here, you kind of Eric definitely implies that there is a lot of childhood arguing. Hmm. 
Yeah, or well, Grant smiles and says, yeah, together. And Eric responds, that's not good. They don't do so well together. Um, but Grant says, you'll be surprised. And uh, Eric looks up to see the lantern battery going dead and uh, grabs another one from a pile of junk and turns it on. We didn't really touch on it much with the... Uh, I was going to bring up when we get to the Avery. The fact that this joint, or even the uh, ruins and everything we see of InGen's operation there... It seems to be 2000, uh, it seems to be 97 all over again. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like stuff's deteriorated more than what we've seen in the Lost World. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it could be down to the fact that Masmerani was back there in 97 or 98, and here we are a few years after that in the film, but stuff like these batteries. Before last night, I would have said, well, it's now eight years. The batteries would be, especially in a tropical climate, the batteries would be mouldy, they'd be rusted, they'd be sorted. I've I've opened old toys where I've forgotten the batteries and found the batteries completely corroded the inside out of it. Mm. I've collected high high cost um, hot toys Iron Man figures, thousand um, dollar figures, and the first thing you do is take the batteries out because they they'll corrode in there and completely destroy your high end collectibles. Um, I mean that acrid smell of the battery acid. Oh man. Yeah. Yep, it doesn't matter if it's new or old. But in saying that, um, as I said earlier, like watching Tron Legacy last night, I've got some of the Tron figures in my display with a couple of data discs and that. And um, my son wanted to get them out, and I pulled one out, and the, the Winslow figure actually lit up still after nine years. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a precedent <laughs> there. <laughs> Those figures sometimes will come out. Things, sometimes things do surprise you. My dad uh, brought some coffee beans in hopes of grinding them. And we had a coffee grinder, electric coffee grinder in our basement for like 20 years. We never used it. <laughs> and he turns it on and it dies within like five minutes. Yeah. I was, I was surprised it would even work at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd, I'd hate to pull the battery cover off the back and see what the batteries inside, but they would have been released in, in mid mid-2010 before the film came out in November, so yeah, here we are ten years or nine years later, and um, they're still working, so... And, it, it like, he doesn't have the lantern on for very long before it starts to dull, so mm-hmm. whether or not he's used this one before or just had it hanging up waiting for Nightfall to come and knows... Well, he's obviously got a second one here ready to go, so he obviously knows they don't last that long. Um, but I do love how you sort of get that dulling, dulling effect as it, uh, the battery goes down. Like a lot of other films, they just have the lantern there as a as a lighting source, and it'd stay lit for the entire time. Mm-hmm. Especially inside this water tanker, there's if it's if it's doing its job, there shouldn't be any holes in it, so you wouldn't have any other light source except mm-hmm. for the uh, door they come in. But you don't want to leave that open, especially with next minute when we get to the copies arriving on the scene. Mm-hmm. But, but then uh, again, I mean, considering these electronics are, in, I'm not sure if they were always in there. They probably were not. They were probably this tank has probably been filled uh, with whatever uh, Eric could have scavenged. Mm. But being elite even for two months in this swampy environment that surrounds the water tanker, you would think that the electronics would have cro- started corroding even faster, you know? Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, and it's sort of it's similar, as I was saying before, with how this all 
looks like it's hasn't been abandoned for as long as it has now. It's it, it, it's similar. It comes down to like the the Jeep again in Jurassic World versus watch rewatching the Lost World last night. Like when Ian climbs into that um, into that vehicle to escape the Raptor. Mm-hmm. Being four years later, well, he could have turned the key and drove it, <laughs> drove it over to the kiln shed where Kelly and that was was the thing. But no, these vehicles are banned. They've been hit by the cyclone. They're they're pretty much destroyed. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll re- we'll touch on some other stuff that may be in and out this water tanker in a moment when we get to the uh, mm-hmm. script comparisons. But uh, as the minute ends, Eric realizes who he's sitting in front of and says, "You're Alan Grant," which. We had the mention a couple of minutes ago that um, Eric was a bit of a dinosaur nut. Um, so maybe he's... Well, we know from later that he's read Grant's book, so he knows who Grant is. Even probably before um, the Kirbys went looking for Grant to uh, lead him to the island. Um, anything else on that you want to touch on before we get into the novel and script comparisons? No, I think we're good. All right. Uh, in the script, after being led through the jungle, we cut to... We cut back to the engine compound as the sun's setting. Uh, on the far side of a tipped-over vehicle, Eric pulls open a hatch, his hiding place, and uh, the two squeeze inside. Grant sees the space is no bigger than a no bigger than a Datsun, uh, lit by a battery-powered torch. And as soon as they are inside, Eric goes back to seal the door. Uh, Grant says Eric's name, but the boy doesn't respond. Eric holds up his hand. He's listening for a moment. He doesn't hear anything outside. And uh, we get Grant telling Eric about his parents. And then he realises who he's talking to. Much, much of the dialogue's the same as what we got in the film. Um, which leads me into a little bit of a discussion here. We talked when the lab, when we were in the lab, how there was rumoured of an overnight stay in the building. In the script, they actually return to the lab compound, to that maintenance yard that they ran out of the back of earlier um, in the script. Do you think this is the overnight stay? that was rumoured that it was actually it was in, it was still at the lab compound but it wasn't actually in the lab it was inside this vehicle that was parked in that maintenance yard considering how these rumours kind of have take on an evolution of their own it's very well possible yeah. because if, if, if like even in that maintenance yard like you'd still say well they ran out the back of the lab or they Grant, um, Eric went back to the lab to the water truck you'd, you'd still say because everyone knows what that mm-hmm. building and area is it might not necessarily be inside the lab, because um, mm-hmm. I, I think too they they with the issues they have with the script and all that and pre-production, a lot of the stuff they film, a lot of the stuff the sets and that they used they used to use. Um, so you'd think if there was any other sort of, well I suppose they could have just been in the the hatchery production floor set in that at night time, but. You think if there was anything else like that that existed, we would have seen something, a production photo or something, of it. Mm-hmm. It's possible that again the rumor had evolved, and this is you know, somebody read the script and said, "Oh, they stay overnight near the compound," and suddenly that evolves to a scene where they've stayed overnight yeah, at the compound. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. It and, doesn't. I think we only assume that it was Grant and Co. before they split up that stayed, had the overnight stay. Where here, it's it's Grant and Eric that's having the overnight stay here. Um, mm-hmm. Like we don't know if there was any mention of Paul, Amanda, and Billy being with them as well. Mm. I know that in the um, 
in the final film, Eric does say that he prefers to stay pretty close mm. to the compound. So we do know that this truck itself is like probably within short walking distance of that compound. And you could say that maybe they went back towards that way. I mean, the only thing that sort of counters that is the fact that we don't go back across that plain or that field. I'm sure you could probably maybe walk around it or maybe some kind of disorientation occurred. Yeah. And he, yeah, yeah, you no, know. that's true. It's a shame. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Like even even if we got that scene of them running out of the back through the maintenance yard, and we've seen the water tanker lying on its side as they ran out, we knew they would have gone back there. But I mean, the only thing I can think of why it would be close to the compound is because you'd probably want the Spinosaurus enclosure that they built and the aviary that they had built to be close to the compound, you know? Well, yeah, and when we finally do get to the aviary, like, they don't really go... I reckon they travel further from the raptor eggs to the lab than what we get from the lab to the aviary. Like, it, I don't think it's that far away. Um... No, I don't either. Because, I mean, they're just kind of walking around that morning when they hear the... Jingo uh, from the Spinosaurus Belly, and then we um, they kind of just run out of the jungle and into a clearing, and we hear the uh, or we can see that the aviary is in the background of that um, little pen that they have the Spinosaurus uh, yeah. inside of, which begs the question: How big is this pen? And it what is it just like the gate? I mean, not the gate, but the fencing is just deteriorated, and this is just a small section that is because still standing. Because the open doesn't have foliage resting on it for it to rust quicker. Um, mm-hmm. But that, yeah, not only that, even even as soon as they open the the uh, water tanker up in the morning to get out of the next very next shot is Grant looking down off the cliff at the boat down below for the binoculars. So yeah, so we know that they're in the kind of canyon section of the of the main river that goes through the mm. center of the island yep and again if they're all sort of walking through the jungle here they're, they're not going to be able to make a lot of time with um with walking mm-hmm. so they're not going to be traveling in massive distances and that's probably why you can hear that phone through the through the uh, jungle and later later they sort of all come out together at the fence when they hear each other yelling mm-hmm. each other's name yeah but no i just thought it was interesting when i when i read that i suppose it makes sense too, having that tanker park close to or back at the uh, at the lab compound, with just how much stuff Eric's been able to salvage and and pack in here. We get a lot a lot better look at it next minute, and we can probably leave next minute to what's actually in here. But the fact that he's sort of that he's obviously got to the point where um, he's probably been to the lab, realizes no power, no radio communication, nothing nothing's going to get him off that island his way so he's going to have to hunker down and try and survive and hope someone comes to rescue him so you'd want you'd want that sort of stuff close because if he's carrying this stuff back and forth from from the lab to this water truck he's probably spent four weeks of the last eight weeks just moving stuff Um, Mm -hmm. and it does sort of it does make you wonder why he couldn't have found something a little bit more closer like inside the lab or somewhere well, you've got the cages there. If you if find a key for the cages, you could have spent overnight in the cages and just lock yourself inside. And you probably would have been safe. But mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the film we got. 
Um, in the novel, Eric leads the way along a stream, and Grant's uncoordinated is trumping, <laughs> trumping, tramping along the ground loudly, and Eric's worried that uh, it might attract the raptors back. But uh, finally, they come to a swampy pond where a rusty tank, tank uh, where a rusty tanker truck sits, uh, headlights deep in water. Um, Eric opens the tanker's hatch and crawls inside, uh, and then the hatch is closed with an iron clang, and Eric seals it behind them. Um, and lights, lights the uh, battery-powered lantern, and then we get some dialogue about the family being there, and uh, it not being that well, same, pretty much the same dialogue as what we got in the film. So um, I think we can leave our thoughts on how the truck <laughs> got to this swamp or how it ended up in, um, half buried in the swamp to uh, when we see the exterior. But uh, apart from that, Dave, anything else on 44 you want to get to before we get out of this week? Yeah, I think we're pretty good. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is drasticminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Drastic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs. This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now. It's the, it's the dinosaur there. Okay.